Morning, everybody. Hi to everyone watching online. Lovely to be in the morning. Not very good in the mornings, but, you know, here I am. I'm awake. <laughs> Let's hope this goes well. A bit nervous about the potential of my box prop because I just tried to get in it, which is what I'm going to do in a minute, spoiler alert, and I almost fell over. So this could go brilliantly, couldn't it? We'll do comedy gold. <laughs> Send it into Jeremy Beadle immediately, actually. Is he even alive anymore? I don't know. Sorry, Jeremy. God rest his soul. Um, anyway, <laughs> moving on. This wasn't meant to be a stand-up. This is meant to be the word of the Lord. So let's get on with the message. Um, has anyone seen the movie Harriet, out of interest? Oh, apart from my husband, who's <laughs> waving. Um, this is a high recommendation from our family to yours. It's an absolutely incredible film. This is a picture of her. She's a real-life person. Um, called Harriet Tubman, 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 and um, she was quite an incredible lady, really. She was um, enslaved in America. Um, she was at five years old. She was a nursemaid to a little baby, and she was beaten every single time the child cried. Sorry, that was a bit of a change in the atmosphere, wasn't it? Beaten. Um, and then at twelve, she stepped in to stop one of the overseers smashing someone. Um, with a rock and it got her instead so she was um, really damaged by that for the rest of her life she was completely illiterate as well but she managed to get herself out of slavery by taking a 90 mile trek um, using the underground rail passes and she was a really strong Christian and it's not hidden in this movie that she gets these incredible visions from God where she sees the strategy to bring freedom and that's exactly what she did but these are, this is the words that she said about how heavy her, her life was and how she felt about particularly that person chucking the weight at her and crippling her she said the weight broke my skull as a slave, they carried me to the house. I was bleeding, I was fainting. I had no bed. I had no place to lie down on at all. Then they laid on me, uh, they laid me on the seat of the loom, and I would stay there all day and the next. And yet, this woman, something within her, rose up to say, Freedom is possible. <laughs> and I tell you what, even just watching the news, it does not rise that spirit up in me <laughs> and I think what's the problem with me <laughs> that's so different to her <laughs> and so preparing this message today I want you to know this is a journey for me too <laughs> that sometimes we feel completely stuck in um, battles in situations coming against me I'm not just talking about all the obvious in the news I'm talking about the things that feel like they just come against us and wear us down day after day exhaustion with feeling completely stuck feeling a bit demoralized and hopeless and feeling like we're just stuck in this earthbound existence and the message that um, I've been asked to bring today is from a prophet called Isaiah and he spoke into a time where people felt completely landlocked, completely ambushed. They were always on high alert, I suppose, for the next invasion or the next battering <laughs> of their lives. And they didn't live with all the confidence that we have, even in technology and medicine. They, they were, this is thousands of years ago. So for Isaiah the prophet to write the words that he writes to those people that then become prophetic truths for us and actually become realized in our lives, I think, is quite something. 
And so I don't know how you respond when you're battle-weary. One of the phrases um, we felt this year, God give us, before anything kicked off, we thought we were coming out of COVID, yay, and then we hit the next exhausting thing and worrying, traumatic thing. And so God said to me very clearly, Helly, this year is going to be a year that you are going to have to battle. And Helly, this year, you are going to need to build. And the two are going to come together and get ready. <laughs> so I wasn't, it wasn't a wildly enthusiastic word. <laughs> but I thought there's going to be things that we as a family were going to have to battle with in the spiritual so that we weren't fighting in the natural, if that makes sense. And prayer and be on our faces and really crying out to God for contending for. But there were also things God was saying, I need you to be building I need you to be building family, building community, building yourself up in faith, getting around people who are full of faith so that you are not flattened by the battle. And so the two were coming together. And I don't know, I wonder if that might be a wider word, not just for me personally, but perhaps that might help you as well. Just contextualize your era that you're in, that God is wanting us to be in a battle He wants us to be battle ready, but he does still want us to build. We're not just to lie down and take things and be exhausted by what we're seeing and feeling. There's things for us to do, and it's not just moan about it. (laughs) There's stuff that we need to be physically setting our hand to be doing. So obviously, there are times when we feel we're restricted. Obviously, we sometimes feel under-resourced in any particular area. I don't know what your area is. It might be mental. It might be physical. It might be emotional resourcing. It might even be physical resourcing that you feel you'll always be in lack. It might be that. Where you just feel completely stuck. You can't see beyond. This is where it could go horribly wrong. (laughs) Get ready. Also, maybe avert your eyes. (laughs) And you feel like you're completely sort of stuck in your now you know your earth locked your life locked you can get to here and you can get to here but you're exhausted because you can't see round and there's two options in that and Harriet Tubnam took a different one to the one I'm just going to demonstrate you can either sort of look think okay I'm stuck here I can't really see I can't really reach beyond And so she was forced to lie down for a bit, and you kind of get to a position. I did say this might go wrong. What if I fall over? Is someone going to get me? (laughs) You get so stuck. You then, you're restricted in your vision. Your mobility is moved. And I'm not just speaking physically. I'm speaking um, metaphorically, emotionally as well. But sometimes it does affect how we pray. It affects everything. It affects how we see. If my eyes are just seeing this, it's a hopeless existence. But the word of God says we will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Right? Not just from the past. Not just for the future. But also for the now. And if we're in a battle, we've got to start looking beyond the box. So we look to the past and we see what God has done, but we take it as our armory and our weaponry to inform our now, but then we look forward to an eternal destiny. And we have got to get our eyes beyond this life-locked life, otherwise we are going to go down. You know, it's no surprise that the writer of Ecclesiastes says, there's nothing new under the sun. There isn't under this sun, (laughs) this earth sun, earthbound sun. 
But there is more beyond unto Jesus Christ the Son. Right? <laughs> Thanks. Come on. <laughs> yes, yes. It's true, right? And so we can't afford to be stuck in our box. We can't afford to be affected by the things of this world because we are aliens in this land. We don't just live for now. We're living for eternity. And I feel tired and weary of depressed Christians, not in a mental health way, of people who are just propagating hopelessness because we are meant to be the overcomers. So we don't just wilt down into our box of this world. We're made for much more. We're not here for this life. We've got an eternal purpose. And I want to charge us today. We need to get on with it. <laughs> like, life is short. There's a C.S. Lewis quote, and it talks about, you know, horrendousness of war. And he says, you know, well, how are we going to respond if there is an awful war? He said, well, the same way that Vikings responded, they got on with their lives, even though they were under threat of invasion. The same way people who knew polio was coming, they got on with their lives. They found what they were about and they got on with their lives. And so they, he said, you know, if, if this is to come, let it find us praying, reading stories to our children, playing darts. You know, he listed this really hilarious list of things. But basically he was saying, put your big boy and girl pants on and get on with the role God's got for you. <laughs> Never mind all the rest of it. <laughs> we are all landlocked at the moment, but we are made for eternity. You're not here. God didn't just burp you out as an accident onto this planet. You're here right now for this time because Jesus created you in a unique way. You are individual, uniquely, divinely designed, and there's a role for you to play. There's a role for me to play, and I can't just sit around worrying about this edge, this edge, this worry, this potential incoming fear for this life. There's more for me to do. So, with that in mind, let's read Isaiah 25 <laughs> from a cardboard box. <laughs> Some people read from, you know, eagle lecterns, but I will read from a box. <laughs> and he's a prophet, and he was very real. He had a messy end, you know? But this is what he said. He said, Lord, you are my God. I will exalt you. I will praise your name in perfect faithfulness. You have done, he's looking back, wonderful things, things planned long ago. You have made a city, a heap of rubble, the fortified town, a ruin, foreigner's stronghold, a city no more that will never be rebuilt. He was like, God is in charge of enemy invaders. <laughs> of things that come up, things that feel foreign to us. Therefore, strong people will honor you. Cities of ruthless nations will revere you. You have been a refuge for the poor, a refuge for the needy in their distress, a shelter from the storm, a shade from the heat. Is he that to you? <laughs> Let's pray he becomes that if you can't say that in the same way. God, be a shelter be a shade, defeat enemies that come against me. And they might not be physical people. He's talking about physical people there, but it could be our fears are our greatest enemies that trap us in our box, keep us landlocked and earthbound. And then it says this, the breath of the ruthless is like a storm driving against a wall, like the heat of the desert. It feels like that, doesn't it? 
when things come against us. It feel, like I love the description. <laughs> comes at us. But you silence the uproar <laughs> of the foreigners as heat, and, as heat is reduced by the shadow of a cloud. So the song of the ruthless is stilled. Gosh, what amazing visual images. This is our God. This is the most high God. He is not life-locked or landlocked. We are eternal. God's been up to stuff for thousands of years. He's not going to stop here, is he? <laughs> so on this mountain, so now as I was talking about the past, hold on to the legacy, the weightiness, the history of the saints of old. Look what I did with them. Watch the history of scripture. Watch the history of his hand working. He's never fallen off his throne. But then apply it to now and face forward with your faith. So on this mountain, the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all the peoples, a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats, the finest of wines. Thanks. And so, you know, here, there's still stuff that God is preparing for us. It's not just a future promise for heaven where he talks about this wedding banquet. It is but we pray your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as where? In heaven. <laughs> Sneaky, subtle prayer. So there's stuff before us that's going to be incredible in the future. But we get to pray for it now. So I guess a question, what is on the table for us? What's on your plate that God has uniquely trusted you with? What is the role, the kingdom role the heavenly dream for your existence. You're not just meant to stand in this life or fall down into the circumstances that feel overwhelming in this world. So you only see here. We're to look beyond at what can be and pray it into the now. And this is not like just kind of cheap, name it, claim it, prosperity. This is true gospel riches for now. Praying in the truth of scripture into our reality. Because otherwise we'll be as gloomy as the, as the writer of Ecclesiastes. Nothing new under the sun. Meaningless, meaningless, everything's meaningless. <laughs> Down we all go. <laughs> but we're meant to be rising up. <laughs> There's a, a kind of way and an attitude to do that. That's not proud and cocky and domineering of everybody else. But you know, we're called believers for a reason. <laughs> Imagine if the early church were like wilting away when everyone was hiding in their houses under persecution of the Romans. We wouldn't even be here as Christians, probably. The gospel would have never spread. People risked their lives. So it's quite a challenge, isn't it? I think there's a, is it the psalm you've got now that you can pop up on the screen? That would be amazing. So this is Psalm 23, which starts off, the Lord is my shepherd, not the media, not the government, not who's in charge of a nation. The Lord shepherds his people. And then it goes on to say, he prepares a table for us. Listen to this. In the presence of our enemies. <laughs> so even when we're surrounded by things that are getting at us, whether it's emotional, physical, tangible, whether it's at work, whether it's at home, whatever's coming at us, God's like, take a seat. I've got something on the table for you. And it's, it almost feels like, wow, 
I can kind of like cockily just eat it. Mmm, in your face, fear, having a nice crusty loaf. <laughs> so he prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemies, anoints our head with oil, which is the power and the anointing, the authority and the clothing of the Holy Spirit of God. My cup overflows. Do we feel like that or do we feel landlocked? I've only got this that I can make myself. That's why it's amazing when we see Elijah goes to the widow's house and just starts to, says, oh, just get that jar that you've got nothing in and just start to pour your oil. Casually pour your oil. That will provide for you. And it was enough to just pay for not just her, but she had so much left over. It just kept pouring, kept pouring, kept pouring. And it's a physical picture of what God wants to show us he's like. There's more than enough. There's more than enough. More than enough. Your goodness and your love will follow me, relentlessly pursue us all the days of my life. And I kind of see that two ways. Your goodness and love will follow me. Some translations say mercy. Some, I think it's that they're chasing after us. But also the legacy we leave is goodness. Legacy you leave is goodness. The legacy you leave because you have the power of the most high God in you is love. That's what you leave. It's like a trail in the sky. You leave that in your life. That's the promise from God. Goodness and love will follow us all the days of our life and we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We're set into forever. We're not set into earth bound. We're heaven bound. We came connected to the saints of old, the ancient story of God. We're part of that story, but we carry on because we're eternal. We are eternal. You are eternal. Let's just keep reading Isaiah 25 because it gets better. (laughs) Thanks. So on this mountain, he'll destroy the shroud that enfolds all people, the sheet that covers the nations. He'll swallow up death forever. There are things that come upon us that kind of weigh us down, shroud us. But God wants to take that off. He will, but we can pray it forward. So I felt things like shame be upon my life before, and it has a horrible effect. It's like wearing a dark cloak around, where you feel like you've got to hide yourself because of stuff I'd done. And I'd been a Christian all my life, and I had that, <laughs> you know? And I had to take it off. God, I give it to you. Take this off me. This is a prayer that I pray forward for me now. Please set me free from that. Or maybe for you, it's shame. You live under shame. Get it off in the name of Jesus. Ask him to break its power. This is the power of God. What's your thing that's got on top of you? Sometimes it's a whole nation carries a weight over it. And we as Christians, we punch a hole in it. Get it off us in the name of Jesus. We get it off us. We break the pride of this nation in the name of Jesus. You know? We break the horrible, you know, lack of trust in the name of Jesus. We take back integrity and dignity as a nation, you know? That's the stuff we can pray that can, can come upon us if we're just life locked, <laughs> landlocked, earth bound. But remember, we're not. <laughs> part of a legacy, and part, we're set in forever, <laughs> eternity. 
I love that verse. It says he sets eternity into the hearts of man. (laughs) Into us. Okay, let's keep reading Isaiah. The sovereign Lord will wipe away tears from all faces. Does that remind you of Revelation 21? It says he'll wipe away all the tears from our eyes. He'll take away pain and suffering and death. He removes the people's disgrace from all the earth. The Lord has spoken. You know, and when the Lord speaks, it says in Scripture, it's like his voice thunders over the waters. That's why there's people in some countries who've had war for years, and they worship Jesus. They're probably some of the most joy-filled, hope-filled people I've ever met in my life. I watched (laughs) in Rwanda, I was just looking at my friend who was with me, and I watched this little girl play with a stone for about four hours. (laughs) There was not a phone in sight. I mean, unfortunately, phones have crept in now. But, you know, they were just content at peace walked for hours eight hours to go to church I was like this morning oh it's a long way can you drop me off Mike it's like five minutes down the road (laughs) what is my problem (laughs) meeting with the most high God with my family like come on get out of your box (laughs) Helly you know I just feel like God's want to do something in us to stir us up and out again because we're stuck aren't we And it hasn't helped physical things that have happened to us, you know. The masks, the trapping, the stuck inside. It has an effect on us as a family. We go down, down, down. Not saying that, you know, that was wrong, but that there's a legacy that that's left. And we've got to now rise out of it. (laughs) Emotionally, spiritually, physically. (laughs) Because we are created for more. We're created for community, to cheer each other on. What is our kingdom role? What are the kingdom friendships God set for us? What has God got to do with us in this life? Mary Oliver wrote an amazing poem called The Summer Day. She was just looking at a grasshopper, and she just ended it by watching this grasshopper. It's all, all its funny little moves, and then she just ended up her last two lines. What will you do with your one wild and precious life? You know, what will we? <laughs> what will we? Because we can't just stay stuck. (laughs) I think there's a couple more verses left of Isaiah 25, then I'll climb out of my box in a metaphorical way. (laughs) Hopefully without falling over. Although maybe that will be the metaphor, and that's what we'll do. (laughs) We flopped out and crawled on. (laughs) But we will. So this is what it says. In that day, they will say, Surely this is our God. We trusted him. He saved us us. Let me say it again. Surely this is our God. We trusted him. He saved us. Say it again. Surely this is our God. We trusted him. He saved us. He did. Because you're eternal. (laughs) And different ways it will penetrate this boxed earthbound life. But even if it doesn't much... (laughs) in the way you wanted, you are (laughs) heaven-bound. You are heaven-bound. And this is the Lord. We trusted him. Let us rejoice and be glad in his salvation. (laughs) How good is that prophecy? (laughs) It was real. It was raw for them. They were not living the dream (laughs) when he said it. 
It didn't always go well. It wasn't, you know, God isn't Father Christmas. This is not a fairy tale. Life can be hard. But don't slump down. (laughs) Don't just look at this. Take your step out. Right. Fingers crossed, everyone. (laughs) Go beyond. (laughs) You know? Live like you know you're connected to history. like you know you're heaven-bound, like you know there's a God-given destiny on your life. You are a big deal in the kingdom of God. He has got things on the table for you, even in this moment, even if it feels a right old battle. There's stuff he wants to bring to you. There's stuff he wants to put right in front of the enemy's face. Almost as way that he goes, you've got no power, Satan, over my children. I bought them at a very expensive cost. They're mine. So no more robberies. No more fear. Perfect love drives that sucker out. (laughs) And just see what the Lord's put for you on the table before you. Not just ahead, like a tangible wish, an intangible wish in the future, but for now, Lord, what have you given me on my plate? What's uniquely mine that you've trusted me with? And also, you're going to resource me for. You know, it was interesting that the tribe of Issachar, or Issachar, some people would say, in the Old Testament, talks about in Chronicles, that they knew the signs, and they knew the seasons, but they also knew what to do. So there was no point just going, this is rubbish. They got a God strategy to lead people through it. (laughs) So today, I think that's what God wants to do for us. You know, show us what's on the table, not just in heaven, but for now. Your kingdom come now. Your will be done now, on earth now, as it is in heaven, as it was in history now. And the way this happens is not by us lying down. and living in the box. So I guess I want to ask you a question. Do you want to live life locked? You can if you want. You can be saved in a nice little box, but then all the resources that you'll get will be what you can make from your box, (laughs) what life could bring you from that box, what this earth could bring. Or you could connect yourself back to the Most High God, who can do abundantly more than you could even ask or imagine. In his name, not yours. You're not manifesting it from your own might. This is a reaching out to Jesus. Jesus, I'm not here by accident. I'm still here. What have you got for my one wild, precious life? Because we're heaven bound. We're God's agents. And I just want to remind us of... Some, perhaps some just declarations from thinking about this banquet table, that in Father God's house are many rooms. <laughs> he has gone to prepare a place for you, John 14. He has brought you to his banquet room, a table prepared just for you. There's a banner over you. Imagine the scene welcoming you, and it's love. <laughs> is the overwhelming shout of your life. And sometimes it's helpful to just kind of like, I guess it's like a guided visualization or prayer exercise. I kind of imagine myself coming to the table. 
I had a funny experience of eating at tables as a child. I was either late <laughs> or everyone else was late because we worked in a school and everyone had their hectic schedule. So I thought, oh, I'm going to be on my own at the table. It made me believe a lie. I had to get rid of it and start to enjoy what God was going to bring me to the table and that my father would come. <laughs> God the Father will come. I also sometimes just didn't get through the food. <laughs> and so I sat there on my own for ages, holding things in my cheek. And so I started to think, you know, I won't enjoy what's given to me. <laughs> or I'll get r rubbish food and provision. Again, a lie. <laughs> you know, God brings us good things. Every good and perfect gift comes from God. So you might want to do that, you know, ask what is prepared for you on the table? What does that even represent? What is our eternal role? You know, you might want to ask God the question, God, what am I here to do? What are you giving me? Even in front of things that feel an enemy to me, for me to uniquely do. You know, I've gone through phrases and workshops with people where we've kind of defined our roles. Someone said, I'm here to build community. Someone else said, I'm here to build friendship. I'm born to build leaders. I'm here to build businesses. I'm here to build up people. I'm here to have a vision for family life. What's yours? <laughs> if this is maybe like me, an era to build. And what are your battles? And what's the weaponry God's given us? I tell you what it's not. Sitting, looking at your life-locked life. That will get you nowhere. <laughs> so it's a call today to, to look beyond. I told you about Harriet Tubnum. Tubnum. <laughs> she was called Minty before, and she actually changed her name. God changes our name sometimes. But it's actually believed now that Harriet personally led at least 70 other enslaved people to freedom, including her elderly parents. Because <laughs> when we get free <laughs> and step out of the box, it's not just for us. We lead others on. She was only five foot tall, but she was a force to be reckoned with. <laughs> It took three decades for the American government to award her military contributions, <laughs> award her financially. They're putting her name on some money. <laughs> Not that she cares probably about that. <laughs> but she grew her own produce in the end, raised her own pigs, was completely illiterate, but gave lectures on the power of God, freedom of God, and the rights for freedom for all. She died in 1913. That was her. This is me, often being a bit rubbish, <laughs> often living a bit hopelessly. But I guess I want to ask us the question, and it's going to come up on the screen. Do we want to be heaven-bound or earth-bound? Because it will affect everything. Perspective does. Perspective does. Emotions, mental health, spiritual oomph sense of calling in life, sense of purpose. It's time to rise up again, I think, <laughs> isn't it? Don't stay stuck. <laughs>